Welcome to Chatterings with ISFM, the official podcast of the International Society of Feline Medicine. Hello, I'm Natalie Dalgray, Head of ISFM. We're pleased to present the first of our monthly podcasts on the topic of our new joint cat-friendly guidelines that have been created with AAFP, the American Association of Feline Practitioners. These new guidelines, cat-friendly interactions, approach and handling techniques, and the cat-friendly veterinary environment have been created with a task force of authors based on both an extensive literature review and where evidence is lacking, the author's experience and expertise. The guidelines are being published in November 2022 and will be free to view on the Journal of Feline Medicine and Surgery's website. Earlier this year, we took advantage of the four co-chairs of the guidelines, myself and Sam Taylor from ISFM, and Alona Rodan and Kelly St. Denis from AAFP, as well as Sarah Heath, one of the task force members, all being in Rhodes for the ISFM Congress. And we recorded a roundtable discussion and shared our top tips on being a cat-friendly vet. Kelly, you were the AAFP president um, when the decision was made to update uh, the feline friendly handling guidelines, um, which was the sort of original cat friendly guidelines that, that we had as, as joint societies. And then we also started then the discussion at that point to create this, this other set of guidelines as well on the cat friendly um, veterinary environment. Why was it time to update the guidelines and, and why did we decide to do two? Why did we create more work for ourselves? Good question. Um, I think other than the 10-year anniversary, which seems like a logical time to update them, we just have so much more information available to us now. And I think this culture change has opened up a new mindset for a lot of veterinary professionals to think, what can I do? What can I do to be better? And so there are a lot of things in the older guidelines that need to be updated to, to meet that demand that we have so it's going to improve things even better hopefully um, and then as far as creating a new set so the veterinary environment um, has really offered us this opportunity to isolate out what our professionals can do in the environment so in the veterinary clinic both from home the visit to the clinic and then within the clinic itself um, in terms of making things cat friendly so it really separates out that veterinary interactions with the cat and versus that environment that we welcome them to and that really helps to tailor things for our clinicians. Okay. So I guess I'm going to ask Alona a question now. Uh, you were an author on the original handling guidelines. Um, and why did you support the name change to interactions instead of handling? And what's different about the new guidelines compared to the previous? Yeah, it's a great question because the first set of handling guidelines was in 2011. And we had very few references we now have almost 150 references because now we have so many studies to prove that we need to interact with cats in a different way. And so that's really helped. And the name change is because it's not just about handling. There's non-physical and physical interactions that we are having with the cats. And that means that before we've ever touched that cat, we should be observing a cat, giving body language are everything they're taking in all this information about us that we need to make sure that is pleasant from the cat's perspective. And at the same time, we are looking at the cat, talking with the caregiver, and identifying whether this cat has any fear or any other problems, and so that we can learn how to work with that cat better just in that introductory period. 
I was really keen for all of us to maybe just to give our one top tip. So I don't know if I start with Sam. What would be your top tip for making a cat more bit? Just, just one. Just one. Just one. Just yeah. one. Um, <laughs> um, I suppose mine would be um, hiding boxes mm-hmm. in hospitalised cats. Um, it's still a frustration of mine, and I'm sure it fell up in me once. I walk, you know, walk in and go, "Why does that cat not have a box?" You know, straight away because it's so easy. You don't have to have a posh, expensive box. So what, what I do, and if the nurses are really busy, I just go and get a cardboard box out of the stock cream and, you know, put it in that cage. We know we've got evidence. We have, you know, scientific evidence, but all of us have personal evidence of the difference that makes to a cat's emotions if they you know, hide. And we've got a few different solutions because we find that some different cats like kind of slightly different. Um, some of them like to perch. Uh, so it's nice to give them that opportunity as well. So we will try and sort of also look at the, the cat itself and, and what its preferences are. But, you know, there's no excuse not to have a cardboard box. This is what I said. There's literally no, yes, you're busy. Yes, we haven't got time. But every cat in that hospital needs somewhere to hide. So, yeah, that would be my my there. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? What's yours? I really think I would go back to what I said earlier, which is if you take the time, you actually end up saving time. So mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people can't have very long appointments. We used to have half-hour appointments at my clinic, and I was the boss. So I got to call the shop. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Um, but if you if you just uh, get yourself into that room with the client and the cat and just you're in your own little world, take a breather and let the cat do what they need to do and take that time to understand what the cat's emotions are in that initial time that you're in the appointment so that you can move forward in that appointment more successfully. You will get so much more done uh, more successfully that way. Brilliant. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I love that one, um, <laughs> Kelly. We say that such a lot about the time. It's so important. Um, I think my top tip is think cat. Um, it, it, are you looking at what this experience would be like if you were a cat? Um, and if we think in that perspective, both sensorily, emotionally, physically, try to think what is this experience like from a feline perspective that can make a huge difference to the whole veterinary experience for the cat, obviously, um, but for the caregiver and the vet- veterinary staff mm. as well, for everyone. So I think cat. Yeah. I think that makes a massive difference because we know if owners have had a bad experience or seen their pet have a bad experience, they're not coming back to see us. <laughs> you know, And that's detrimental to that cat's welfare. So, yeah. How about you, Elena? Well, I was going to say having... Places oh, everywhere in the cactus, <laughs> um, even in the exam rooms. But I guess I will say that's carrier training. Uh-huh. Or, because yeah. it makes such a difference. Because we need to start at home where the fear starts, where frustration starts, and probably pain. Mm-hmm. And then we move forward. And once I can goes willingly into the carrier, things are so much better already. Yeah, I think that's really true. One of one of the cats of the first time I saw her in the study, uh, we opened we, we always put the basket on the floor and we opened and, and allowed the cat to come out and her. I opened the door, she flew out and attacked my leg. So the frustration level in this cat from having been put in the basket and transported to the vet clinic was through the roof and my leg was the first thing she encountered to take it out on. I was grateful I was wearing jeans that day. She, subsequently with food bribery, this cat has gotten a lot better <laughs> and she, she doesn't she doesn't get quite so frustrated and the visit to the vet clinic now, though it's it's borderline sometimes. Um, I just don't think what mine would be. 
I've mentioned food treats already. Um, mine's probably, it is a really nice saying that I learned years ago, less is more when you're handling and interacting with cats. Um, and I think this is a really important one for team members to consider. I hear it with nurses when um, I'm asking for some assistance to maybe take a blood sample and, and they go straight in with quite what I'd consider a heavy-handed hold, you know, holding the legs, neck sort of extended because I always do jugular samples. Um, Whereas I'm saying, oh, no, just, just gently tilt the head. They're oh, but I'm not holding the legs. I'm like, that's fine. You might get scratched. That's my responsibility. I think that, to me, it's a, it's a team thing. It's not their responsibility to ensure I don't get scratched. It's my responsibility to keep watching that cat's body language and adapting what I'm doing to what the cat's telling me. And I think I think that one's a really important one, that, that it's a team it's a team thing. <laughs> it's not just one person's job to ensure that someone else, you know, it is personal responsibility and work as a team. I think we've, we've sort of talked quite a bit about the guidelines. But, I mean, we're hoping that this sort of um, extra material will be useful for people and, and encourage them to read the guidelines in full. I think, um, you know, even if you're not going to engage in becoming an accredited cat-friendly clinic or um, a member of the cat-friendly practice scheme, just reading through both the sets of guidelines and as Sam said, sometimes just the smallest changes, you know, one little thing at a time is going to massively improve the experience for your cat patients, I think. So thank you all for taking some time out away from the beach and roads to, to do this recording. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this recording. Please visit the JFMS website to read the guidelines. For ISFM members, the full recording of this roundtable discussion is available for you to listen to. Please visit portal.icatcare.org. We look forward to talking to you again next month, where we'll have the first of our two podcasts on FIP, with Dr Sam Taylor speaking to Professors Danielle Gunmore and Severine Tasker. Look out for that dropping at the end of November.